Welcome along to the Loftcast. I'm Paul Morrissey from the club's media team. I'm joined today by club ambassador Andy Sinton and former QPR player, lifelong fan and all-round good guy Lee Cook. The R's suffered an agonising 2-1 defeat at Bristol City on Tuesday night and that followed an equally agonising 4-3 loss to Birmingham City. We'll look back on those as well as ahead to Friday night under the lights at a packed Loftus Road, the fifth round of the FA Cup against Premier League Watford. It's all right here on the Loftcast. Okay, well, two incredible games to look back on. But before we do that, welcome Lee Cook, sat here at Loftus Road, looking out on your beloved pitch. Nice to be back. Yeah, dreamy looking out there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm fortunate enough to play in a couple of games. Obviously, uh, with, with Andy, I played in the game last year out there. Loved it. And I play in a game with Amit and his friends that he does once a year. So I get to get on the pitch, which is, you know, not many players can still have a couple of games on there. So I'm, I'm pretty privileged. So, mm. yeah. Does it still feel special? Yeah, I love going out there. I mean, it's a pitch that, as a player, when I played on it, it was, I always loved playing it because it was a small pitch. So it meant I'd done less running. <laughs> <laughs> so I loved playing on it. Um, you know, it was, as a wide player, you'd think you'd like a bigger pitch, but... I just love playing at this ground. Um, I seem to get an extra 10% out of myself for some reason. Maybe I knew a lot of people were watching me because of a lot of friends and family that are out in the stands. But just love playing here. And I think, you know, when you speak to a lot of players in the championship, they love playing here as well. They think the atmosphere is, you know, different to most weeks that they encounter in the championship. So, yeah, it's a great ground to play. And, um, yeah, I do miss it. I miss it immensely. The, it's game days that I miss. You know, when I come to watch a game, it's that's when you... You want to just want to go out there and play yeah. like every other fan does, but when you've done it, it's, it just gets to you a little bit. So that's the main thing. I don't miss training so much, but <laughs> it's more the matches on the match day. How, how do you find reti- retirement? I mean, you're still working, but how do you find retirement from playing? Is it still something that that still rankles a little bit in terms of wishing you could still be out there? Yeah, it's just I was just, I was saying to my dad the other day. It's a shame you got to get older because it, it, it's <laughs> just this. You get to a stage, and I don't know. It's just weird. Your legs just don't seem to do what they did and it, it's but you still think you can mm, yeah. in, your, in your mind um you know I, I finished playing when I was 34 and I dropped down to conference level and I was still playing well at that level um and in my mind I thought I probably could still play in league one league two but it just becomes a grind in the end and your legs get tired and you get another game on a Tuesday and you've really got to do the right things, ice baths all the time. Whereas when you're a young 24, 25 year old, it was just easy to play. So free, easy. <laughs> easy to play three games a week. You were so fit. Mm. And it's just, when you get to your 30s, you do start to feel it a bit more. Wait till you get to your 40s. Mm. Um, <laughs> do you get to many games now? Yeah, games? I do. Yeah, I've got a good friend of mine's got a box down here. Um, so I, I come in there with him. Uh, I probably get to six or seven home games a year. Try and get to as many games as I can. But yeah, I've I've seen the last game I was here was Boxing Day when we won three 0 and since then it ain't been great. So mm. I think I need to get back down in Sharp yeah, for a be, game. Yeah, you be here on Friday night against Watford. Yes, yeah, we'll talk about that one <laughs> in a bit. But firstly, since I'll just bring you in. Looking back, uh, we've got two games to look back on, and two I, I still can't decide which defeat is more agonising: the Birmingham City defeat or the Bristol City defeat. Let's talk about the Birmingham game firstly. Well, at half time. Well, on 42 minutes when we're 4-0 down, you wouldn't expect it to be such an agonising defeat. It was uh, when you think you've seen everything in football to almost come back from 4-0 down. And people still talk about the Port Vale recovery here at QPR and the recovery against Newcastle United as well. It would have been right up there with those. It would have been a game you talk about for forever and a day. And we just came up short in the most agonising of fashions. But firstly, if we break it down, the first half to go 4-0 down and it was just it was just one way traffic we were getting you know we 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 were struggling we just never got going it was one of those games I think we had one a few weeks ago Preston um, yeah, very very similar um, now didn't think we coped very well at all with the front two Shea Adams and Jukovic you know they are a handful prior to Saturday you know 26 goals between them mm. um, middle of the part thought we got overrun you know their shape that they played play like a diamond with their um, Hotter just in behind seemed to cause us all sorts of problems and you know you you go a goal after what was it 21 minutes poor goal straight down the middle of the pitch two 
27 minutes three not long after from a from a corner you know they're the, they're the ones that really rankle with you you know free header six yards out middle of the goal and it was just one of those afternoons that you're sitting there as a fan or in the stand you know you, you're just cringing because every time they went forward they looked like they were going to score i think we got a little bit of a lifeline just before half time you know and i'm saying you know uh, that just gives us a chance but it's it's all about how we start the second half and uh as I say, an amazing game of football. One of the most bizarrest games I've <laughs> seen. You know, because if you just break it down to us, we went from being so bad to so good in the space of forty odd minutes. You know, and uh, that's sometimes that's why we love it. That's why we hate it. That's why managers uh, scratch the head, lose the hair, etc., etc. You know, but uh, that was bizarre. Cookie at four nil down. If you're on that pitch at that moment and you're heading towards half time, of your former managers who is the last manager you'd want waiting for you in the dressing room to discuss what <laughs> was going on uh, probably ollie i'd say 15 minutes wouldn't have been enough would it i think he wouldn't have stopped shouting for 15 <laughs> minutes yeah he w- it would have been bad with him um but it was i think the last time we was four nil down and i remember this because i was at my nan and granddad's house uh, away at port Vale, and i i checked at half time it was teletexting them days and i checked him and my dad and my granddad was in the kitchen and I went for I said, oh, it's four now. <laughs> and I went, oh, yeah, forget that then. But for some reason, I kept going back and checking on teletext and then I come in, one, then two, then three. And when we got the one half-time on Saturday, I was at a different game and I was checking on my phone. And when I see we got the one back, I just had a feeling that I thought of Port Val and I thought, second half, not there, but probably shooting into the loft. There's a chance we could get something here. Then it went four, two, four, three, and then I was checking all the time. <laughs> yeah. And when the penalty came, I couldn't believe it because I thought in my mind I was thinking, should I have a bet on this? <laughs> I was thinking we could come back here and it could yeah. be four, four. And then when he missed it, I was just—you can't write them things sometimes. Yeah. And it's you know, if you're a fan that when I'm at four 0 you've been well, not gay. We still lost the game, but what an entertaining, entertaining game all round. Yeah, an incredible second half, and like you say, to have gone from. So disappointing to playing so well. How much credit does Steve McLaren deserve for that? He made a couple of changes at the break and crucially he, he changed the formation as well. He brought on Tony Leisner and Jordan Cousins and went to three at the back. Yeah, sometimes in those situations, you know, you you look at your managers and what they're gonna do. You know, the goal just before half time as we both said, you know, I thought was critical and just give us a lifeline. But you know, he changed the formation. Um got an extra body in the middle of the park. And I have to say, the second half, we were absolutely outstanding. You know, get the goal after 47 minutes. You know, Naki Wells comes inside. Smithy's on the move. And I have to say, every time we put the ball in the box, Matt Smith on for 45 minutes was unplayable. Mm. You know, it was almost like a one-man crusade to try and turn it around. You know, as well as scoring the first two, you must have about another six or seven efforts. You know, and Birmingham just couldn't handle them. So, you know, maybe there's a lesson in that sometimes where we... You know, we we set off teams a little bit. You know, we we almost just went caution to the wind and threw yeah, everything up. It was a, a nothing to lose case, yeah. wasn't it? And uh, you, you know, we almost pulled it off. You know, but uh, now credit to credit to Stevie stuff, but you know, credit to the players because Cookie will tell you sometimes four nil down, whether it's Loftus Road or wherever you're playing, that can be a hard place for a player. Mm. It can actually be. I'm going to contradict myself what I've just said there. It actually can be an easy place to play as well because, you know, you've got nothing Game's to lose. Done. Yeah, so you just go and free yourself up and and go and play. And that's where you need brave players, brave players to get on the ball, brave players to make things happen. But it's just like, what a game. It took me a couple of days. I went home Saturday night and I'm just thinking, I've just witnessed what I've watched it. <laughs> you know, it's bizarre because we actually, as well as, you know, nearly getting a point with the chances we had, we actually could have mm. even won the game bizarre as it was but uh, now we came unstuck go down the record books as another defeat but uh, great game thoughts on the performance of Jordan Cousins obviously he, he scored the goal with 10 minutes ago and at that stage I think most people in the in the ground including the uh, Birmingham City fans probably thought this is going to end up at, at least a draw give us a good 10 minutes to, to have a go it was a, a good strike by him what did you make of his all round performance I thought he sort of epitomised our second half you know he came on uh, you know, full of energy, put tackles in, got forward, and in that forty-five minutes, I think we saw what many people thought we were going to get uh, more regular from a Jordan Cousins when we signed him. You know, full of energy, you know, box the box, got forward, won his tackles, was strong, was aggressive, and hopefully we'll see that a lot more. But him, 
you know, Tony Leichner coming into the into the back four, you know, that's hard for a defender. Change of change of formation. Hawley to get another ninety minutes under his belt was a plus. As I say, um just a complete bizarre game to watch and I'm sure even to be involved in more so for the players. And just a word on Tony Lyson. Obviously, he was on the bench for the game for a couple of games, and he came on and he did he did excellently well when he came on, and he looked like he he really had the bit between his teeth to to make a point to play well. I suppose if you're Steve McLaren, that's the reaction you want from a player, your captain, when you've rested him. That when he does go back in, he's not feeling sorry for himself. He he goes out there to remind you of what he can do. No, hundred percent. That's exactly what you want. Tony's a you know, he's, he's done well since he's come in. He's a really good character. You know, we spoke about, you know, the, the win up in Nottingham Forest. He's not been part of that run. You know, never won up there, but he got the players in a huddle and was almost saying to them, come on, we can make a bit of history today or we can create history, you know. So he he understands, you know, what it takes and uh, he's been a leader. He's been good all season. So for him to get on, you know, rested, whatever you want to call it, but... Uh, He'll still have his own pride as well. He'll want to come on, you know, and he'll have seen what the two front boys did to us in the first half. And I'm, I'm sure he's thinking, you know what, they're not going to do that to me. And they didn't. And going on to the Naki Wells penalty and Cookie coming to you. Um, well, when the, when the penalty was awarded, you're thinking, there we go, job done. Is there enough of the five minutes left to try and get a winner? And then, of course, uh, Lee Camp, your old mate, pulls off a, a save and... He was a, he proved to be a thorn in the side for QPR because he had an excellent game on his return. Um, no surprise for you to see him do well. No, and he would have loved that as well. <laughs> Campy, he, no, he, <laughs> he would have absolutely loved it. He loves coming back here to play, like a lot of ex-players do, and not ex-players, players still playing, yeah. but not so much QPR fans in a sense. It, it seems to be every player from wherever they are in the country that comes to this club and plays. They always go away from here with a little bit of a soft spot for QPR. Mm. And them type of players love coming back here and playing. And for him to save the penalty, was it at the loft end? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he would have he loved it. And, you know, he's he's, he's a good keeper, Campy, and he's still going strong. You know, as a goalkeeper, he's still actually not that old. So I'm, it's, it's no surprise to me that, you know, he's still putting in decent performances. Um, should Wells have took it? Don't know. I think the, the form that Smith's in, I would have... Let him. For the I, I'd have just let him take it. Um, you know, he's a, a fringe player in a sense, but coming to great bit of form. Mm. You know, we're, we're losing games, but in sense of, for him and his personal performances, he's come out of nowhere and started banging goals in and causing havoc. And mm. it's good to have that player to do that. Um, and w- w- with the form that he was on, you know, for me, I, I'd have said, "Get out of the way! I'm taking it." He's six foot six. <laughs> get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> what was uh, your penalty record like as a player? I never took four, I think, or five. I never missed one, but I wanted to take more, to be honest, but they always seemed to go to the centre forwards. Right. Um, <laughs> goal bonuses. Yeah, on, goal yeah. bonuses yeah. and all that jazz. So <laughs> sort of got shoved out a little bit of them. But yeah, th- th- yeah, never missed one, but didn't take many. What was your um, approach for penalties? Wait for the keepers to go or have you made your mind up? No, I used to pretend I was... I'd line up as if I was going to smash it in one corner. So the angle of my body was all to go one way. And then at the last minute, I'd open up and go the other way. And it always seemed to work. Keep it go the wrong way? Most of the time, I think once the key went the right way, but if you put it you know, right in the corner, he's mm. not going to get it. The one that he went the right way was when I was at Barnet and I was on four hat-trick. And the actual centre forward was on the pitch, Akindi, and he gave me the ball, which was, I was like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> he couldn't have been on a good goal bonus. <laughs> <laughs> but the keeper went the right way. But fortunately for me, it was Jason Brown who was a bit chunky, <laughs> so he couldn't get down. <laughs> he couldn't get down. What are the, what are the, uh, the nerves like? People often talk, and more so when there's a a um, major footballing tournament on and the knockouts and the penalties, people talk about practice, don't practice, does it make a difference, etc. You can't recreate it on, mm. on the day of a game. Obviously, there would have been more pressure on Naki Wells than in a normal situation because... It's almost like the final moment of the complete team recovery. So he wouldn't have just, I'd imagine, yeah. be feeling the pressure of himself. It's like all my, me and my teammates have worked so hard to get to this point. This completes the process. And yeah. afterwards, he said it's the lowest he's ever ever felt in football, which mm. is quite incredible. And it does highlight, you know, that pressure that he probably felt. What is the pressure like when you're taking a penalty? Well, I think in that sense, I think the buzz that he would have had if he'd have scored yeah. it mm. was overtaking 
them that that was the feelings yeah. he was getting and thinking, God, if I score this, this is going to the place would be rocking. Mm. And then you start to overthink it a little bit, and there, he would have definitely been nervous taking it. That's mm. without a shadow of a doubt. And pressure situations, you know, you can talk about it all day long about recreating and all that sort of stuff. It's all down to how you hit the penalty. Mm-hmm. Eric Dyer is a typical example of in the World Cup he scored in yeah. one of the most high pressure games, yeah, yeah. and then he misses one the other day, bla- blazes over the bar. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's taking it right. Players in form is a big thing for me. See one at Leicester the other day. Madison had the ball look confident as against Tottenham. The manager made the substitution. Vardy looked nervous coming yeah. on. And Anemis's. And it puts the pressure on as well. He's come on it straight away, yeah. take the penalty. That's what I mean. It's the pressure mm. and it's massive. It's huge. And for you, since, what was your record like? I remember missing one up with Lees as a 17 year old. Um, missed one up there for QPR, I think. And he took two, three. One in a one in a shootout scored hundred percent for QPR so uh, <laughs> cuttle for Brentford but uh, I just uh, maybe a little bit different a cookie I used to make my mind up put the ball down and quick look at the keeper and I just think you know what this is either going left or right it's either going to be side foot or it's going to be it's going to be hit but Cookie's made a great point you know you can you can pick holes with who takes them should he shouldn't he etc uh, etc et you know first of all the player steps up you got to give him credit for that. Mm. You know, he's got to be confident. Naki would have been a little bit nervous, but he's confident lad, Naki. Yeah. You know, he's a goal scorer. He'll have looked on that as an opportunity to get another goal. Unfortunately, he just he gets it wrong in the day. Campy guesses right, makes the save, and, uh, you know, you're, you you ruin a missed opportunity that did we deserve. Not in the first half, but certainly the second half, we deserve to get something from the game. So, uh, now you move on. And just finally, a word on the supporters. It was a great response by them at the end. Ultimately, we came up just short, but... Again, it's the recognition from the fans that, all right, the first half wasn't great, but the players did everything they could out there to try and get us back into the game and came up so, so, so close to achieving that. And it was a good reaction by the Isles fans. Yeah, fans, as I say, the last few seasons, have, they've been absolutely fantastic. And, you know, Saturday, they're entitled to moan and boo on what they saw in the first half. But you know what? They were amazing in the second half, got right behind the boys. You know, what gets... You know, do the fans get the players going? Do the players get the fans going? You know, but I think they recognise the effort, which I think, to be honest, has been instilled over the last few years. And you give Ollie and Birch quite a lot of credit for that. They instilled that fighting spirit. You know, how many comebacks have we had here? Not from four, but you know, Brentford two yeah. in the last couple of minutes. Millwall, we were uh, two 0 down, came back. You know, that was time and time again. So players at the club now are playing for the shirt, and the fans will recognise that see that and I think they don't like losing games but if they see everyone having a go like they did in the second half they'll stay with the players and Cookie for for you from a a fan's perspective how much does it mean to you seeing players out there that clearly have that sense of pride in playing for QPR whereas perhaps in recent years there have been players playing for QPR who didn't share that level of pride that the likes of you and Mark Bertram had when you pulled on the hoops. Yeah, I did an interview the other day, actually, and I mentioned that one of the main things in the last 18 months has been the atmosphere of what it used to be like yeah. around the ground, and that seems to be coming back. Um, the fans the fans here just need a little something. You know, if you, if you go the last two home games here, if you think about it, we've conceded eight yeah. But yeah. and only scored one before we come that comeback was on. Yeah, yeah. So the second half, the players had to show them a little something. Mm. And I bet when the second one went in, they was having yeah. it yeah. proper because that's what they're like. Yeah. You give them a little something to, to get hold of yeah. and they'll back you all the way. Yeah. And that's what they've always been like and always will be like. Okay, well, that agonising defeat and we walked unknowingly straight into another equally agonising defeat and again there was an injury time penalty involved and unfortunately this one was successfully converted. Um, Bristol City on Tuesday night, we were going up against a team unbeaten in 14, eight straight wins, the form team in the championship up against us who going into the game had suffered four straight league defeats so certainly the the hosts were the favourites. Um, but it probably was the ultimate game of two halves since um, after a cagey start, QPR grew into the game and certainly with the, the dominant side in the in the final half of the first half. Yeah, we obviously, you know, 
went with or took the positive from the second half against Birmingham into the Bristol City game. I think yeah, we went, with, went with the same start in 11, yeah, went with three at the back. Same start oh, sorry, the same finish in 11. Yep, the same finish in 11, the same formation. Um, you know, obviously, with a set game plan as well, you know, to, to keep it quiet the first 20 minutes, not give anything away. And I thought we did that excellently. You know, you fill in spaces, you're, you're, you're winning tackles. And the longer the first half grew, I felt we were coming into it. Well, not felt, we were. Mm. Uh, and the last 15 minutes, I think, you know, Matty Smith again, once we put crosses into the box, had a couple of headers, Fielder made a good save, comfortable save, and another one, header over the bar. But I just felt if we could have kept getting things in there, we'll get our rewards. And we did. Freeman, great cross. Naki Wells escapes his marker, gets a great header, comes back off the foot of the post. And. Smithy's there to tap it in, you know, so I, I felt we deserved that on the first half showing. Um, you always talk about playing with Les Ferdinand and you used to love it as a winger because you could just find a yard, put the ball in and you know that Les is going to more than likely get on the end of it. And um, at the moment, that's how Matt Smith is playing. He's just causing such problems when the ball's coming from wide areas. Well, he mentioned a while ago, you know, he's come out of nowhere. You know, we, we threw him on at uh, Portsmouth when we were 1-0 down. I felt he made a difference. We threw him on up at Wigan when we were chasing the game. He made a difference. Scored here against Portsmouth. You know, we saw what he did um, certainly in the second half against Birmingham where, I'll say it again, he was unplayable. Mm. And the more we put stuff in the first half the, uh, last night up at um, down at Bristol, they couldn't handle him as well, you know. So, Gets his goal. I always felt going in at half-time. I felt Bristol City, you know, you're on a hell of a run. You've just mentioned it. You know, I felt they would come out and play with a, play a lot quicker. They had a lot of possession in the first half, but, you know, we'll keep you out to get men behind the ball. So I felt they would up the intensity, get things wide and try and pen us back. And that's what happened in the second half. And for you, Cookie, um, just sitting there, it reminds me of a story when you, you'd left QPR Ian Dowie was the manager at QPR and Gianni was speaking to Ian Dowie about you coming back to the club and Gianni showed, um, showed Ian Dowie all Dexter's goals and he wasn't pointing at Dexter Blackstock, he was pointing at the guy crossing them in. He's going, there he is, cookie again, cookie again. <laughs> um, so you had a great relationship with uh, Dexter Blackstock and it, and it does seem that Luke Freeman and Matt Smith just have that understanding as well. Yeah, but I mean, players like Matt Smith are a winger's dream, really, especially if you're one that likes to get crosses in the box. Um, you and know, for, a, for a winger, how does it change your approach when you've got a player like Matt Smith waiting for it? Yeah, 100%. You know, when Dexter was playing, he obviously wasn't as big as Matt Smith, but I would say he was equally as effective in the air. Um, you know, he had a great spring on him and he was, you know, he scored a lot of goals with his head. Um, if you know they're in the box... We used to speak before the game and Dexter knew the second I was getting half a yard, it was coming in. Yeah. So the defenders on the opposite side didn't know that. Yeah. Um, some wingers, because I, I was a little bit tri tricky, I used to sometimes cut back. But when we got our sort of partnership going, it was more get it out of my feet, just get my half a yard and put it in. Mm. And Freeman's got that with Smith, I think. They've got a good understanding mm. together. And he's always going to, you know, Nygaard was a similar size to, to Matt Smith, where if you overcooked it a little bit, he'd still get on the end of it. And I think yeah. Smith's pretty much the same. He's he's such a big lad. He will cause havoc. It's just, again, it's the confidence of a player. When he's confidence low, he, you think, what's he doing out there? He's one of them types. But when he's on his game and he's confident, he's a right handful. Mm. So let's hope he keeps up his form and, and, and Luke can keep, keep putting the deliveries in for him. Well, Bristol City, obviously... Um he gave us the lead, actually. He wasn't with his head, of course. Naki Wells getting the, on the end of the delivery from the left and, and Matt Smith on the move and casually rolled the ball over the, over the line to give us the half-time lead. And at that stage, you're thinking, we fully deserve this because we look solid defensively and Matt Smith in particular was just causing so many problems um, in the attacking third. But after the break, City went up a, a notch and they just really started to go more direct. They were going wide and they were just putting cross after cross in. Well, they penned us back. What I said before, they played much quicker, you know, moved the ball from side to side, and they almost went less complicated, if you like, worked to, mm. to the opposite side, touch them, just what we've been talking about, get it into, what's his name, Dejuf, or, you know, who was, yeah. a, who was a handful. Eliasson. Eliasson was, I thought in, he in was... In the first half, he wasn't really noticeable. Second half, it was... Yeah, he came, uh, came alive. They got more ball out of him, and, uh, you know, he... you know what he's going to do. He's going to drop his shoulder, come back on his left foot, and it's coming in with quality. You know, he put one... Brilliant ball in that uh, they just should score. You know, Joe's made a point blank save, but he was the threat uh, for me. You know, um, 
he's a good player. You know, Swedish international, Swedish youth international. You know, he's uh, he's taking a bit of time to settle, but real, real quality. And it was probably no surprise that if anyone was going to get them back into the game, it was going to be him. Yeah, and um, that with 15 minutes to go, you're thinking it's a big. It's a long 15 minutes here at Ashton Gate now to try and get through it. It looked like we had successfully navigated our way to, to um, a share of the spoils. There was five minutes of injury time to go. Um, and after the game, Steve McLaren said, Darnell Furlong, is, it's a good piece of defending by Darnell Furlong. As he's shepherding the ball back to Joe Lumley, he's got his seemingly to, to me but I'll leave you talk us through it but it looked like he, he'd got himself in a good position and was doing the right thing no, I thought it was a thought it was a poor decision I thought it was a poor decision um, in real time and I've watched it back two or three times you know and I think it's an even worse decision the more I see it you know you look at Darnell there's a big diagonal De Juice gets a really heavy touch the touch allows Darnell to get his body between the striker and the ball Deju for me knows he's overrun it tries to I don't know what he's trying to do, actually, to get round Darnell. Mm. If anything, he probably fouls Darnell. And um, for me, the referee stands there. Crowd appeal, as you like to do. But he stands there for, seems like, about five seconds, almost waiting to... don't want to sound too dramatic here, but he was almost waiting for everything to settle down. Then I'm the man in charge. I'm going to make the decision. You know, and I was flabbergasted when he gave it. But uh, I say, I think some of the players were... He finishes it off, and quite rightly so. I think Steve and his staff and the players are fuming after the game. But you know what? It's happened. You can't feel sorry for yourself. You've got to dust yourself down as hard as you can, put it behind you. But nah, it's a bad, bad decision for me. Have you seen it, um, Cookie? Yeah. yeah. I don't think the ref could have seen it. Yeah. Um, I think what he's done is looked at the last minute, seen the position they've ended up in. Yeah. Mm. That's probably and why then, he And then so give it. Yeah. Because. When you look at how they've ended up on the floor, it does look a bit suspect. Yeah. Because um, Darnell if, ends up on top of him. And if you look at the full picture of it, then you can tell that it's not a penalty. But I think he's missed that incident, looked, and just caught the last little part mm. of it, seen where they've sort of ended up and thought, that's a penalty. As a as a player in that situation, obviously, as Sinsa said there, everyone was bitterly uh, disappointed and upset after the final whistle. How How long can it take to get over a, a disappointment like that? Well, it sort of looked like it was going away a little bit in the end. They had the goal disallowed, yeah. which was a perfectly decent <laughs> was, goal. Yeah. Um, so there was another penalty shout. Mm. And I think the players thought it's, it's, we're having mm. a bit of luck here second half. And then for that to happen right at the end, it sort of takes it all out of them. Mm. Well, that's that then. Mm. Um, but they seem they seem a set of players that won't be too phased by by this sort of thing. They'd, you know, I know the, the league form's not great. It's five defeats on the spin, but... They're games that we've been in, and it's not like you know we've been battered. The only ones Preston, yeah. um, and the forms actually, although we're losing games, it's, there's still signs there that are keeping the fans on side and you know confident in the team. It, it doesn't feel like a team that's lost five in a row and their chins are on their chest, like you were saying earlier. Talking about no. Matt Smith, he's a, a player who's got a lot of confidence right now. Well, we're scoring goals. You know, we we will we're scoring. Mm. It's just we're letting them in. Yeah. Um, and that's what we need to focus on a bit more. You know, we need to start keeping some clean sheets. Um, he changed the formation up uh, against Bristol probably to try and do that um, after the the game here on at the weekend. But for the first half, it worked. But a team like Bristol City, they're always going to come out and have a go at you in the second yeah. half. And if you one nil up, you're going to drop off a little bit. Yeah. You're going to give them more space, and they're a dangerous side when you give that. Uh, you know, for me, watching them when they attack, they're one of the best sides in the league at it, and when I, you know, I was listening to the the commentary on it, and they were getting on top, I was worried. I thought that they're going to nick one for sure, um, and probably. But they the really game, penned but us back, didn't they? There was times, yeah. you know, where Leisner, Grant, Hall, Darnell, Furlong defended magnificently, mm-hmm. but the heading balls on the six yard line. Yeah. You know, they just kept putting the ball into a dangerous area, time and time and time after again. And as Cootie says, you know, the good players will eventually wear you down, and uh, just felt, you know. Could we have just got up the pitch a little bit more? But to get up the pitch, you need possession of the ball. You know, so if you haven't got possession of the ball, you just get penned back. And wouldn't say the inevitable. It was, it was a case of when they might get back into the game. But once they got back into the game, I thought we had weathered it, and I was fully expecting us to go away with a point. You know, that's a that's a brick in the wall to start. You know, building again, and you go into a big one on Friday, full of confidence after that. As it happens difficult. in the circumstances that we got beaten, yeah. You come away feeling really 
aggrieved. You question the cookie. How long does it stay with? Won't stay long. Can't stay long. You got a massive game on on Friday night. It's done now. Move on. Train tomorrow. Get ready for Friday. Yeah, I was just going to say places like Ashton Gate. They're to go one nil up early in them sort of places it's mm. tough to keep on to that lead if you can keep to an hour and it's nil nil and then you nick one <laughs> yeah. th- that's the ideal scenario when you go one nil up and you go in at half time winning you know what's coming second half and it it's, it's tough when you go away from home and you take an early goal at a place like that it's hard to to even get a point so to get a point would have been a, a v- really good mm, result really for good us result, yeah. so we, we were nearly there yeah and I suppose it's that natural it instinct if you like to protect something when you've got it whereas that nil nil you you maybe yeah. a bit more forward thinking Definitely, 100% yeah we needed to, to uh, look at the uh, Bobby Zamora school of uh, nicking, a, <laughs> <laughs> nicking a result <laughs> <laughs> okay well we'll talk about Watford in just a moment but Cookie firstly looking at your situation um, you still come to games when you can yeah, yeah, I'll get down there as much as I can. Um, not just to support the boys, to see the likes of yourself, Moz. It's nice to what a guy. I've been to Peter Andy and Caroline down on the front. So, yeah, I'd like to get back here as much as I can. Which players have caught your eye? Luke Freeman. I've talked about him quite a bit. Um, I see similarities in myself mm. in him a little bit. Left-footed, low sense of gravity. Can put a good delivery in. Yeah. Um, I think we've been quite fortunate to keep him form he was in last year you know there was offers coming for him obviously mm. and the club done well to keep him got him on a new deal so you know that was great business from the club in that sense um, but he's definitely the one that stands out for me um, in the squad and and Darnell as well you know for, I, I remember I brought my in-laws over from Australia brought them to the game on Boxing Day and then I said to them after so what did you think and they were both really impressed with Darnell I mentioned to him I used to play with his dad, etc. And <laughs> makes you feel <laughs> old, dad, doesn't old. it? But yeah, he's got all the attributes Darnell. I think he's very good defensively. Um, he's a he's an athlete. Mm. He can run all day long, and he, he's got. I think he's got a chance. The kid. I think he can go go a long way. And he's very brave as well, isn't he? He's he he seems to love the the aerial tussles, and he's not intimidated. That comes from his old man, obviously, because he you know. He loved the tussle. He, <laughs> he was the nicest guy off it, but when he crossed the white line, Paul was just so physical. Mm. You know, he, he would—he'd like to hurt someone and give him a give him a good <laughs> good elbow. Come on, let's have it for ninety minutes. He was like that, and he's installed that a little bit in Darnell. He's fearless as well, mm. which is great to have as a right back because you need that. Um, even f- last night when he the position he got in, he you know that was a dangerous position. He but yeah. he was in there trying to get right involved. So. Yeah, he's got that from his dad, but he, you know, on the ball, I'm impressed with him when he goes forward. He's he picks the right pass, makes the right runs at the right time. Mm. He knows when to go and when not, and he's learning all the time. He's still got a bit a bit more to learn, but you, I can see it in him. He's got he, and he likes to listen. Mm. He, he's one of them. He ain't a flash kid. He listens to to the senior pros and he he takes everything in and he gets that from his dad as well because he was one of the most professional players that I've played with. Paul, and so. Darnell's been at the club since he was. Nine, ten years old. When were you first aware of Darnell as a, a potential young player? Did Paul speak about? Yeah, he used to bring him in. He used to bring both his boys in. But he, I suppose, when he was about fourteen, um, he was doing well. Uh, Paul never really said, "Oh, he's going to be a player mm. or anything like that," because at that age, you just don't know. Players stand out at that age, and they get to seventeen, and some kids catch up mm. pace-wise. But yeah, I suppose under fourteen you sort of saw glimpses that you know he can play for sure. And then when he came into the youth team, that's when he stood out, and you knew he was going to get a pro contract. So and now he's, I said it's the easiest thing getting the pro contract; it's the hardest thing keeping it. And I think he'll have a long career. I think he'll be a pro for a long, long time. Yeah, he seems to have that, um, like you say, that professionalism, that mentality, and that humbleness. To always have that that hunger to to do better and to do better. Yeah, hundred yeah, hundred percent. So, you know him down the right and and Luke, obviously left side. You know the, the Coria side is obviously really important, but I think them two, for me, have been. You know, they're they're the ones that stand out for me. And Alex Smith is obviously leaving last summer. He was the, the player of the season, so it was going to be a a big hole to fill and Joe Lumley's had an opportunity and he certainly seemed to have taken it so far. Yeah, I'm so pleased for Joe. Really pleased for him. Um, it was strange because he's 
my sister went out with his brother years ago and he got released from Tottenham. And his brother Billy rang me and he said, oh, they've released Joe. I said, well, look, and Mark was doing the 18s at the time. I said, let me ring Mark and uh, see if he'll have a look at Joe. So I called Mark. I said, look, as my, my sister's boyfriend's fella's uh, brother's been released from Spurs. Can you have him in? Birch had him in for two weeks. I think he played two games. And Birch went, no, he's a good keeper. We'll, we'll have him. Signed him. He was only 15. They always used to call him Rodney because he was so skinny <laughs> and tall. <laughs> and as each year went on, he was filling out. Mm. Um, you know, unfortunately now 24. I think when he got to like 20, he, he was starting to show his frame mm. of where he could be. And then he had the two good loan stints. And I thought to myself, if Smith, he does go, I think he could overtake Matt. And he, he's done it. And I'm, I'm chuffed for him because he's a great lad, Joe. Mm. And he's another one who seems so humble and so keen to learn and to develop. Yeah, and he's that. they got that type of family. Um, his brother's the same. His brother was a goalkeeper. You know, they're very down to earth. And Joe's, he's an, another one. He, all he thinks about is football. Mm. It. And, you know, when he signed for QPR, he, you know, I remember him coming up to me, thanks, Cookie, thanks, thanks <laughs> for that. All quiet and shy. And I'm like, don't be shy for. Come on, you know me. I don't know your brother. Come on. And then... But all the lads love him. Even the lads that have left now, the club that was in his age group, they, you know, for all friends on Instagram. And, mm. you know, he's a great kid. And I'm so pleased for him that he's doing well because I think, well, I knew that, that he would. When we got to like 20, I say, when I thought, he, he's got a chance, Joe. And he's showing his potential. And let's just hope he can keep up the form he's in. I remember he was playing pool once at the training ground and he was holding a, a pool cue and Kevin Hitchcock said, who's holding who? Yeah. <laughs> because of his, uh, his yeah. slender tall frame at the time. But he, he has certainly filled out now. And um, for him, he, he seems to be growing in confidence as well because he's certainly a very confident goalkeeper, isn't he, since? A hundred percent. Cookie Menchie, you know, he's really, really quiet when he was younger. He's certainly not quiet anymore as he's, um, you know, he gets on with experienced defenders. I think he... He's not bothered who you are or where you've played, and that's the way it should be, you know. And uh, what I like about Joe, very grounded, works his socks off in training, lovely, humble guy, does anything, you know, behind the scenes at the training ground, you know, very accessible for the media, you know, and uh, he's having a really, really good season. Still a lot to come. He still can push on and make him make himself even better and have a, a really long and distinguished career, I feel. And Cookie, turning to, to you now, life after football, still involved in football. How are you finding the uh, agency work? Um, hard. Harder than play? Yeah, it's hard. Um, you know, as a player, I just love the football side of it. Mm. Um, going to watch the boys, giving them the younger ones as much info as I can on helping them in their game. Tough part, contractual stuff, and which you're not used to. And you, you've got to learn about it, and it's a part of the job. But it, it, it's hard, but enjoyable. Yeah, you know, there's, you tend to go one or two ways. Really, you either go down the coaching route and do all your badges, which I, I did start to do. Maybe some I look to get back into, um, but this moment in time, I've I've gone down that route and, and enjoying it. Yeah, and you're always out and about at different games. See what's about. Yeah, different age groups, diff, uh, first team matches, um, all leagues. You know, even going down uh, to the conference. Um, yeah, so I'm seeing a lot of football. Um, Seeing a lot of different sites, seeing some really bad players <laughs> and seeing some really good players. So, yeah, it's got the lot. <laughs> OK, well, we've spoken about the agonising defeats against Birmingham City, against Bristol City. Hopefully we've got agonising defeats out of our system for the week. It's Watford on Friday night. Under the lights at Loftus Road, it's going to be a full house. Watford have sold out their allocation. QPR are pretty much there, having sold out their allocation. So it's going to be an incredible atmosphere. Certainly as we talk, we're close to a sellout. And by kickoff, I'm sure we'll be at a sellout. Uh, Cookie, firstly for you, how much does this get your, your juices flowing as a QPR supporter? Yeah, especially against them. Um, didn't have a great relationship with their supporters. I'd loved the club. I had four great years there and then I left on bad terms and it's sort of, it's always been a little bit, you know, not great since with, with them. I mean, I remember one game they were chucking coins at me head and all this sort of stuff. But I had great years there. Mm. I had some, made some great friends there that, you know, still speak to, like Sir Lloyd Doyley, who's been there for years. And yeah, it's, it's a great club, Watford. They do things right there. Um, and it's going to be, it's always been a little bit of a derby when we was both in the championship and stuff. So it's going to be a really good atmosphere. 
there's a little rivalry there just to get the juices going mm. and um, it's the FA Cup bring it on uh, and while we haven't got any great um, FA Cup moments to look back on in recent years from a QPR perspective for you personally obviously you've got very fond memories from your time at Watford yeah I played in the semi-final there in 2003 um, it was actually the season I was here first on loan under Ollie um, League One what it used to be mm, whatever that league yeah. is <laughs> yeah I was on loan and I was gutted because they stopped me from playing in the FA Cup and they called me back early from my loan stint which was the season QPR got to Cardiff Millennium Stadium Mr. Mm. final so I was gutted about it and then I ended up playing in the FA Cup semi-final so it kind of switched round yeah. in the end um, but yeah it was just unbelievable that experience playing in that game how uh, special was that? as well as 19 and it was uh I mean, we left the hotel and you get the coach down. It was at Villa Park. It was them days when... Yeah, the neutral. It was Arsenal, Sheffield, the other one. They was at Old Trafford and we was at Villa Park. And the atmosphere going down, the coach was going about five miles an hour all the way. Yeah. All the fans waving the flowers about. And it was pretty insane. I was actually on the bench. I didn't think I'd, I'd get on, but I had a really good game the week before against Palace in the league. Stephen Glass was the left, left winger and uh, I knew he was going to start. And it was quite a tight game, actually. So I thought, oh, I'm not going to get on here. But mm. then we went 1-0 down and he brought me on with 20-odd 20, 20 minutes to go. So I managed to get out there and play. It was a great experience. And I thought, oh, what a competition this is. But then that was it for me with the FA Cup. Yeah. Third round of the <laughs> year after that, I was out. <laughs> so that was about as good as it got. <laughs> <laughs> from, from that point of view, when you're involved in, in something like that and now looking back on your career, is, is that one of the the highlights of your career obviously you've had some great moments as a player but get you know playing in a, a semi-final of the FA Cup is that one of the yeah. highlights for you yeah you don't think about it at the time mm. I suppose as a 19 year old kid parents do I mean a year after that game they had all photos blown up of it in the in, in their house um, but you know I, I didn't really think about it um, I suppose it's not until you finish when you think I've well, played in the FA Cup semi-final I was mm. quite quite good um, but it was the only actual game I played for Watford in the FA Cup because I was on loan Right, they don't add the quarterfinals. I think the big Burnley, and then I got called back. So it was the only game that season that I played in the FA Cup. But it's a great competition. It's just unfortunate for me in the years I was here. Um, we just didn't seem to. I don't know. I don't know if it was a, in our minds or what. We knew that the record was not great. We always knew that, but there weren't really tough games. We we didn't lose to big sides mm. in the Premier League. It was winnable games that we lost. Mm. So it was disappointing in that sense. But I'm glad for the fans they've actually got a decent cut run this year and hopefully it can it can get better. We've got a chance. You know, we've definitely got a chance. It's almost, in in that respect, it's almost the, the perfect game. We're at home, full house, but we're the underdogs. This is this is QPR at their best, isn't it? This scenario. Yeah, and the Watford players will... This, this atmosphere here, they will go blimey. Mm. You know? know and a, a, lot of play, a lot of Watford players won't have... No, played at Loftus Road. No, and you know, like I've said it before, with the players that like playing here, many of that team wouldn't have been here. Mm. That the, the team that they've got now yeah. that wouldn't have played here. A lot of foreign players they've signed in. I would say I don't even is Troy Dean even played here. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. I don't. If he has, it's only been one or two times. Yeah. And in a game like that on a Friday night under the lights, atmosphere is going to be rocking. They will feel a bit nervous because it might seem a bit. Ex- People might think, you know, these are Premier League players. They're used to playing at all these fantastic stadiums around the country. But you go back to when we first got promoted back to Premier League in 10-11 when we went up and we played Chelsea here that first time. And people often say you could tell the Chelsea players, what on earth is going on here? We weren't expecting this this atmosphere. And, you know, it, it certainly had an impact that day. And you think it could potentially have an impact on Friday? Oh yeah, and we we spoke about it before with the size of the pitch, smaller pitch than what they're used to. If we stick it on them, pressure them high, get on them, make it horrible for them, they're, they're not going to fancy it. Um, they've got quality throughout the team, mm. obviously. You know, like the Delafoe and people like that. At any time they can pull something out of the bag and and hurt you. But they will be nervous, and it, it's a it's a tough ground to come and play at the best of times. And on a Friday night in the FA Cup. Under the lights, full house, rocking. 
people finishing at lunchtime to lubricate the throats. Yep, there'll be, there'll be a few um, mouthy people in the stands. Got a few shandies down and ready for it. Sure, there'll be a bit of banter between the supporters. Mm. You know, it's a great tie. Really good tie. And I can't imagine we win. It'd be fantastic to get through this game. How important is it that we start well? Like you say, at kickoff, the atmosphere is going to be really lively. It's important, like you said earlier, you just got to give the fans something and they'll they'll get right behind you. Yeah, I mean, the last two home games, the, the letting in four goals is... Watford will be playing on that. They'll be looking into that and thinking that they're leaking. So let's get on them early and try and get an early goal. So that's what I expect from Watford. So from our point of view, it's going to be, don't let's stop them from getting the early goal. Stay in the game as long as we can and, and, and play that way. Um, and I think we've got a good chance of doing that. If we if we tighten it up at the back a bit more than what we have been and just rough them up, if you give them a dig early doors, get a few tackles flying in, let them know they're in a game, they won't like it. And the longer it goes on, the more chance we're having nicking a goal. Since our QPR Plus commentator in terms of your preparation um, this week, Looking at at it, I mean, you've got to be honest, Watford have only lost two of their last 13, and that was against Chelsea and Tottenham. So they're eighth in the Premier League. They're certainly no mugs. They're clearly the favourites for this game. How do you expect the game to unfold? Well, if I'm at Watford, you know, I'll look at, you know, there's a few of the big boys out in terms of clubs. Liverpool, Spurs, you know, Arsenal have gone. Mm. Chelsea play United. Yeah. You know, they can't, they'll be looking, you know, what are they? Eight in the Premier League. Uh, Wolves have got a difficult one down at Bristol City. So they'll think, you know what, if we can get past this one, but I'm with Cookie. I think they, they'll be confident about what they weren't relish coming here. Under the lights, I'll say it again. You know, place rocking. And I think, you know, if you're saying to me, go on, since what's your approach? Play it like a proper cup tie. I see a lot of Premier League football, you know, where pass, pass, possession, possession. I think we get right into them on the, from, from the whistle one and say, you know what, you're going to have an uncomfortable night tonight. If you're going to beat us, you're going to have to cope with this and you're going to have to play well. I know it doesn't always pan out like that, but that would be my approach. And I tell you what, if we get in their faces, like Cookie says, if you put in a few tackles early on, win a few headers, you know, this place will almost be like a 12th man. So um, yeah, they're favourites. Let's, let's not beat around the bush. They're a good side. They've got quality right through the side. They've got pace. They've got power. But... Friday night, Loftus Road, FA Cup, quarter-final awaits. Come on, you ask. <laughs> um, you talk about the, the fact that it'll obviously have an impact on the Watford players, but also let's bear in mind a lot of the QPR players won't have played in an atmosphere like this in terms of what they've played at Loftus Road before, but not at a packed Loftus Road. Do you think it might take a few of them by surprise? Possibly, but you know... Sometimes I try and put myself in a situation. Now I'm sitting in that dressing room. You're live on the telly. You're playing against Premier League quality opposition. I think I'll be looking for that as a chance, you know, for go on, mm. showcase yourself, you know, be part of a team that That's can... That's what agents will be yeah. saying to those players, eh, <laughs> <ain't> Cookie? <laughs> yeah. Be part... Get the fire in the belly. <laughs> be part of a team that can create a headline in a positive way, you know, because let's face you, 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 you get a you get a win on Friday night. A couple of games away mm. from a big one, and then you are creating history for the club. Not saying we're going all that way, but what's left in the competition? You and know. the reality is, win on Friday night, you're one game from Wembley. Exactly. So, uh, as I say, I'm really, really looking forward to it. I'm really excited. Hope our boys can respond to you know um, the disappointment of the last sort of week or so. Put that behind us. Use that as a almost like a motivational thing. You know, we're sick of feeling like this. So yeah. come on. Um, Let's get out there, but uh, that's one to, one to really look forward to. And Cookie, just very finally coming to you, um, how big a role do the fans have to play on Friday night? Yeah, big role. Big role, especially after... It makes know, that, from a player's perspective, it makes that bigger difference. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's a good distraction, this game. I think it's come at a right good time as well. Um, the players are thinking, right, we've got a massive FA Cup tie. We can forget about what's happened in the last few games, the defeats we've had. Let's, you know, the fans are going to be so loud during this game it'll be non-stop singing I can assure that because of the rivalry so to speak they won't stop there so it'll make mm. us go even more and it'll just give our players an extra yard of wanting to throw a tackle in to get the crowd going and like I said if we can get to half an hour at nil-nil and you know the longer it goes on a bit we've got more of a chance of nicking something and 
you know in the first 20 minutes what Watford are going to come here and do. Yeah. Mm. And it's down to Steve and his staff to sort of work out the plan of how we're going to how we're going to nick the win. But the fans will be the 12th man because, like I say, the Watford players haven't really tasted an atmosphere like this. It reminds me of when I was in Greece and I went to one game and it was Pauk. There was 13,000 people in the stadium and it is the, the atmosphere. I've never experienced anything like it and there was only 13,000 there. Hmm. They can go to Old Trafford. I've been there, played 70,000. Come here on a, on a pack, packed house. Yeah. It's louder. It's louder than what, what that Old Trafford mm. was when I played there. And they're on top of you. They'll be hearing what the fans are saying to them. <laughs> and if, a ta- if one of them gets done in the tackle... And the, and the, you know, over there in the Aussie Road, and they go, "Come on!" <laughs> they're going to know they're in a game. Mm. They're going to know they're in a game, and then you're going to see from a Watford's point of view, who, who you know, who you're going to want to be in the trenches with in that Watford side. Who's going to fancy it? Are they are they going to fancy it? We'll see on Friday. But I've got, I'm I'm optimistic in this game. I really am. I think we've got a great chance of winning this. Um, I've seen Watford a lot this year. They've been a good side, but they're so beatable. They're so beatable. And I think, yeah, if our boys go out there and, and play to their best, we can beat these 100 million percent because they ain't they ain't no special side. They're good players. They've got a couple of individuals that are really, really talented. But in terms of a team, they're just a solid team. Everyone knows what they're doing mm. and they win football matches. But one, one two goals. Mm. They don't go out and outplay you on a, on a Saturday and win 3-4-0. They're coming here. This is our home. This is our place front of our fans just start well don't let an early goal in please you can't let an early goal in if we let an early goal in I think that could interrupt mm. the whole game mm. so let's um, the boys will be totally focused when they come out and see what it's like here full house well, I remember West Ham when I played against West Ham it's probably the best I've experienced here when that was not a spare seat <laughs> best atmosphere ever apart from Pauk <laughs> I tell you what up until that last line I was thinking this is like a season ticket promo it's unbelievable <laughs> excellent listen since thanks for joining us Pleasure. Cookie brilliant to have you back here Good at Loftus Road Thank great you. to see you thanks for joining thanks for us, us. Uh, roll on a Friday night fingers crossed we have a good result thanks for listening to the Loftcast 